Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. All right, so today we are joined by a local politician in the Southern California area, particularly Pasadena, Assembly Member Chris Holden. And Assembly Member Holden, I want to be the first to officially welcome you to the Talk 30 to Me podcast. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing well. I appreciate the invitation and I look forward to spending some time with you guys. Great. So I think really what our listeners want to know is uh, ultimate goal, right? of this conversation would be how to get engaged in local politics. Because we get this question fairly often, and a lot of people aren't too familiar with that that whole journey. So I, I think we really want to cover the foundational steps. Like, where did you get started? Walk us through all that and, and you know, the building blocks to your career. Well, it's interesting because I got started when I finished up at college, uh, attended San Diego State University and. I got my degree in business marketing, and then when I came home, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with a business marketing degree. Mm-hmm. So in terms of just getting a job, just so that I would have something going, some cash flow, I took a job working for L.A. County Probation Department, and it was working in the uh, juvenile hall uh, over in East L.A. And I had the night shift. I worked from uh, midnight, I don't know, 10 to 6 in the morning. And so we were... I can relate to that. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> very, very. But I will say, given the, the environment, it's probably, it probably was better to be working in an environment like that when everybody was sleeping and you're just uh, overseeing kind right. of where their activities were. Because you had, you, had you had kids in from various gang uh, affiliations throughout L.A. County, and uh, they were in there for a variety of reasons, all minors, some petty theft, and others, they were, you know, they're in there for murder. So more hard, hard uh, core crimes. But the point was that I found myself in an environment where as I was looking out around all these young people who were sleeping in this place who were incarcerated and they weren't even 18, it, it made me reflect a little bit about what my role could be in terms of helping and providing a different kind of environment to change the community that I grew up in and uh, to be a, a more positive force, other than getting a job and, you know, kind of going down that path, but to find out what I can give back to my community. And it was at that time that I decided, or I read, that the incumbent city council member uh, was not running for re-election. Okay. I decided, hey, you know what, I think I'll run for city council. Now, my dad was in politics. Oh, okay. I was, I was just going to ask, like, where did that thought even come from? Because yeah. how old were you at that time? Uh, 23. 23. 23, yeah. and so, you were thinking about politics? Now, yeah. I remember being 23 and looking at the probation jobs, and I was like, can I really do this? I don't think I can. Uh, but you're over here thinking, I can run for city council. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a funny thing, because I I, uh, I played basketball at San Diego State, and so when I finished up, I came out uh, after the summer leagues had finished, and I had to take summer courses, and so I missed that circuit. And that's what put me in a position where I needed to sort of f- figure things out. Okay. And so actually, uh, with my dad having been in politics, Nate Holden, and served in the California State Senate from 74 to 78. Oh, wow. And then on the LA City Council for 16 years. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, 
I was always pulled around, and my brother and I, to different activities and events that he would go through. And I just said, you know, if that's politics, I'm not interested in doing that because it was more of a, you know, we've always found ourselves in a, being bored and not engaged. But it was at this point in time where, interestingly enough, a, a friend of mine who I was playing ball with in college called and offered an opportunity for me to go to New Zealand. I chose not to go to New Zealand because I'd made commitments to to do the community work, to do politics, yeah, and to run for office, and and so that door closed. So wow. that was my sports. That was the end of my sports chapter. Yeah, but you know, how, how hard was that for you to kind of draw that line and say, no, I'm going to let go? Well, when you think about it, 23, you're at the pinnacle of your your game, right? Usually. Yeah, and, and uh, to to play uh, in the in New Zealand, mm -hmm. uh, that that was a great opportunity, but. I had made commitments. I had uh, since decided to run. I had decided that I was going to, um, you know, be involved. I talked to the council member, former mayor, who was terming out, and she told me, here's what you need to do, knock on doors, all of that type of stuff. So I had started that process when I got that call, and I said, you know, I'd already made commitments. And so anyway, that's what uh, happened and how I ended up moving away from sports and moving into a place where I was in a community activist role. I ran that race, uh, but what happened was a lot of people who were more establishment in the community decided, you know, here's this guy, he's 23. Newcomer. Newcomer. <laughs> I know he grew up in town. He played ball. His dad is a politician, but he just didn't feel that I was probably someone that they knew enough about and sure. about my politics. And so they encouraged the incumbent to run again. Mm. And it was at that time when she decided to run uh, she was really well-known in the community. I, I ended up getting 40% of the vote. Wow. That's um, pretty impressive for 23. It, it, it turned out pretty good. I, yeah. You know, you, you channel your competitive energy. So I was able to get out there and sort of work hard and sort of let people know uh, where I was coming from. And growing up in the community made it a little easier because I was familiar with my surroundings. And I could see how over the years my neighborhood was not changing. If it was changing, it wasn't for the better. It was getting worse, and services were harder to come by in my neighborhood than they were in other parts of Pasadena. Transportation wasn't readily available, public transportation. Community centers weren't providing services that young people could connect to. And so I was running on a platform of revitalization for our neighborhoods, bringing in um, uh, services, supermarkets, uh, so that our seniors and family members who didn't have a car, didn't have to worry about trying to get from West Pasadena to East Pasadena just to get to a grocery store. And and then having our parks have quality facilities, you know, which other parts of the neighborhoods had and we did not. And so those are the things that drove me. We had too many liquor stores and not enough uh, community centers. And so that was what motivated me. And also wanting to make sure that we were creating opportunities so that we didn't see any more of our young people from my neighborhood end up in the uh, juvenile hall as opposed to being in school and having an opportunity for a bright future. So that didn't turn out the way I wanted it, but the, the I, I don't know if you recall Kenny Hahn. He was a former state senator, Janice Hahn, who is the supervisor now, L.A. County, her dad. Uh, he told me after that election, he said, "Is not you didn't lose because you put your effort in there, you tried your best, and you gained something positive from it. And he said, just remember, it's not where you serve, it's how you serve. So I thought, I said, okay, you know, it's not really about being elected, it's about being engaged 
and being committed and fighting for a cause. And so I stayed engaged. I stayed active. Um, I was elected to or appointed uh, to the Human Relations Commission. I was appointed to the Redevelopment Commission representing that area uh, of where I lived. And so I was able to do the things I wanted to do, but in a uh, appointed role. Uh, I served for four years and then I ran again. I won and I served on the city council for nearly 24 years before I was elected to the state assembly. Wow. I want to I want to back up and going back to when you said you stayed involved and then the appointed position. Um, well, how did the appointed position come about? And being in an appointed position, does that mean that uh, you had uh, budgets to work with or did that you were able, like, what was the benefit of being in an appointed position versus just being someone like a community activist or community organizer? Well, I think as uh, I was appointed to a position to work through the city on one of their commissions or boards, there were a variety of boards that uh, oversaw a variety of activities, whether it was redevelopment or planning, uh, libraries and commission, library commission, uh, parks and rec. Uh, so every community has, uh, through their city council, a variety of commissions that you can be appointed to and serve on. And I wanted to be um, engaged. I wanted to, you know, I want to be that guy, 23 years old, he runs, he doesn't win, and he disappears, and no one ever sees him again. Yep. Yeah. And and so I decided that I would take the opportunity to, uh, to serve in that appointed role. And it was the Human Relations Commission, so it gave me a chance. Their function was really working for uh, the city and for community and bringing culture and bringing communities together and diversity and, and, and that type of thing. And so it was really a pleasure to be able to serve there. A uh, variety of activities, sister city relationships that were part of that as well. Um, community service was through neighborhoods and, uh, and bringing, working through diverse communities to, to have a single purpose and make the city of Pasadena be viewed in a way that um, culture and uh, racial diversity, were, there were no walls. There was an ability to all work together. And then the other uh, position that I was appointed to was the redevelopment agency uh, uh, where I served as a chair of the Fair Oaks Project Area Committee. And that was bringing uh, stakeholder interests from the neighborhoods together to basically tell City Hall what we wanted in our community rather than the other way around. Prior to that effort, you had uh, a redevelopment strategy that was essentially the city council and and, and ministers. Yeah, they said, yeah. so we're going to tear down all of these on Fair Oaks, uh, between Fair Oaks, um, Hammond, and Washington, where you have King's Villages. That's yep. Before King's Villages, those were all businesses, single-family neighborhoods that were um, ethnically diverse, uh, Latino and African-American families for the most part. And they wiped all that down and built uh, basically the projects. Mm. And they thought in the late uh, 60s, early 70s that urban renewal, fixing a neighborhood, was tearing down the, the heart and soul of the neighborhood. So ethnic, ethnically owned and operated small businesses disappeared in that strip and uh, single family neighborhoods and replaced by uh, a high concentration of families, the low income, and it kind of created more of a problem than it solved. So here you are in your 20s, right? Um, laying the foundation, uh, the groundwork, I should say, for a career in politics. You had no idea what was on the horizon. 
for me, listening to how you're you're presenting this, as a 20-year-old, I knew my worldview was minuscule. It was non-existent. Mm-hmm. I was thinking more about myself. I was concerned about myself, my future, my, my, my. For you to really open up on that level where you give that perspective of you, you have this vision that encompasses, you know, what you were saying, the community and the families and the, just having that kind of awareness. Did your upbringing have a lot to do with that? Like seeing your dad in politics, having that impact you, taking that through your 20s, through throughout your career, really, hmm. uh, did that have a big influence for you? It did. I, I will say I wasn't conscious of it at the time. I would, if there's a way to describe it, it's more subliminal. You're kind of in there doing it, watching, but not realizing that you're internalizing the, the good work that you see your, your, your dad doing and the commitment. And then once I made a different connection, and I didn't think of it as politics, more as public service. So I saw myself in a role of serving the public and filling needs, listening, which, you know, is a very critical part is you have to hear what people are saying. A lot of times I think I might know, but it's not always what people's, their experience truly is. I could have a great relationship and experience with the police department, but I could talk to neighbors who might have a completely different uh, interaction and I need to be able to understand what theirs is um, and neighbors who maybe live across the street from a crack house, you know, I don't live across the street from a crack house back in the day. So I had to be able to hear what their concerns so I could represent their concerns. And then as an elected official in Pasadena, um, you know, you just stay connected to the voices of the people who put you in office. And my, my view was always, it was a seat that never belonged to me. It was always the, the people's seat. I was just uh, fortunate enough to sit in it for a time to be able to represent them and be their voice. And so that's how my mindset was was geared. And so therefore, I never it, it, the, the thing that's really important about that, I believe, is that it keeps you in a place of humility. It keeps you in a place where it is pure service. And, you know, there are other parts of it that if you get connected to it, then it's going to take you in a different direction than. Uh, being that public servant. And so uh, I tried to stay in that lane as I do today. Um, I don't let the job make me. I try to make take advantage of the opportunities so I can uh, gain access to the resources that can benefit the people who I'm elected to represent. So it's it's almost been like your entire career has been working in public office. Um, so going from yeah, the- I, I had hair. I had, <laughs> um, I had, no more, no moss. <laughs> so you, you go from a business degree uh, at San Diego State, go Aztecs. Yeah. Um, to to coming into public service, it, it, it's kind of like you almost fell into it on purpose. Uh, but at what point did you make the decision? Like, no, I'm in this for the long haul. And how far can I take it? Like, what, where does that thought process come into play? Because you did not need to spend 24 years on the city council. I mean, that's no. an extensive amount hey, of time. Let me just tell you, it, it was a job that did not pay. You know, when really? I was first elected, it was $50 a meeting. And if we met as a redevelopment agency, there would be another $50. So at most, $100 a week if you met as a redevelopment agency. If you did not, it was only $50. Okay, so that means you had to at least have a, another had full-time have a, job while you were doing real, this. Yeah, and I was in real estate. 
Okay. Yeah. I saw the Citrus Valley Association of Realtors, and I was wondering, I was like, well, how does that come into play when you're an assemblyman? Okay, so you worked in real estate, so public service was kind of like your side hustle almost until you were <laughs> well, able to get it. Well, you know, and, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, because of the time, you know, there was never really the time commitment that, that even though uh, it was not paid, you know, you still had commitments, and mm-hmm. it just seemed as though it when you're in a city that's as uh, diverse as Pasadena and has as demanding as it is about the needs of the city and the government working for the people. I'm going to community meetings. I'm hearing about issues. I'm meeting with city staff. I'm, you know, having our our our, our meetings as a council, bringing up issues, responding to concerns. You know, we were still dealing with issues of, uh, you know, officer-involved shootings and community turnouts and protests and things of that nature. So. Uh, in many respects, uh, whether it was the late 80s or 90s, we were still engaging in a lot of the same social challenges that are in front of us today. And, you know, but I had to earn a living and I had to be in a position where uh, I was doing something that I felt I was, uh, could be productive at. And so you try to make it work and it, and it but yeah, it, it's probably not the, it's probably not the, the, the path that one would would uh, intentionally sit down and say, hey, this is what I want to do. So it was, I kind of got into a position where I enjoyed what I was doing. I didn't think about the fact I wasn't being paid. I was solving problems, whether I was solving problems for a client uh, who needed a warehouse of a certain size and dimension, or if I was solving the problems of a community that was dealing with neighborhood nuisances and impacts on quality of life. It was, or lack of affordable housing or whatever it may be. I was solving problems, and so I think that's where I found my my true calling was more as a problem solver, mm. um, and I, and I, that's how I've sort of seen this position and seen the taking the responsibility that I have over the years. Interesting. So on that note, going back to Randy's original question, when did you make that determination? Because through your twenties and your thirties, you're thinking about future proofing, right? Finances, right. Uh, starting a family, all these things. They need money. Right. And you might have had to choose between real estate or, you know, being a public servant. I mean, what point did you decide, yes, that's it? At the beginning. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. So 1985, I was I ran for the first time. Uh, when I lost, then I went to real estate school. I got my broker's license, and then I started practicing uh, industrial uh, sales and leasing in Los Angeles for a company called Dom. Uh, commercial industrial, and I was with them, uh, and then I was elected in 1989. Uh, so I had four years to kind of get that under my belt. We were four. <laughs> we were four years. Old. Let me just put that into perspective. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember I was 23, 20. No, I was actually 27 at that point. 27, 28 when I got elected to the council. Yeah, and and so I was working uh, in my profession. Um, serving in the volunteer capacity as the um, as the appointee uh, from the city council to various commissions, and then I was elected uh, in 1989, and and then of course um, I was running concurrently my real estate business and city council at the same time, and I, you know, then when I was elected in 2012 to the assembly, um, it was at a point where my kids were moving on to college. Mm. And so it made it easier for me to 
at that stage of my life to be in a job that was a little bit more demanding, uh, away from home more than at home, and uh, not feeling that I was somehow depriving them. So it really, it, it was really kind of a, uh, I won't say it was a, a well thought out plan that I sought down and said, here's my life plan and here's what it's going to look right. like. It just sort of unfolded one step at a time until I found myself um, where I am now. But it was based on uh, sacrifice. Uh, it was based on being able to give back. Uh, and giving back is a sacrifice. It's not easy. It's a challenge on the family. And so, you know, but I think it's important and I think we all have a responsibility, whether it's that for everyone or whether it's some other form of community engagement, I think it is very valuable. Just like I always hear now that, and I believe it to be the case, that playing sports was um, fundamental to my thinking. Um, being in a team activity, you're not sort of looking at it from the standpoint of uh, what necessarily um, my life would be just about me, but it, how can I plug into something greater than me? How can I plug into an effort that we can collaborate and make a difference. And so that, I think, is what I fed off of as well. And that's how my public service philosophy has been established. So politics now definitely is not like politics of the 80s and 90s. I think Ex that's right. Explain for Pasadena, too. That's <laughs> I, I bet. I mean, at what point in time, uh, two parts, really, what point in time did they start paying you a actual like salary on the city council, if at all? And the second part of it is what really motivated you outside of your kids kind of getting to that age to move on to the state uh, level politics? Well, the city councils, most of these smaller cities through or medium sized cities around L.A. County, they don't pay. Uh, it's a little bit more than it was. I think it's a thousand dollars a month now. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it is really more structured for replacing your lost income if it even does that. Mm, yeah, probably um, not. And it probably, not not uh, here. <laughs> no, no. Um, they made the change in uh, the late 90s. So it was at that point. So it was, I was there for a long time before they, they increased the pay. And I was always an advocate for it because it wasn't so much for me, but how do you get you know, folks who incentive are for people incentive. to get involved. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you don't, very true. the way that it was structured in Pasadena, you were either rich or retired to be able to serve on, on, a, on a city council here. And so I, along with, I wasn't the only one, there were others who were kind of in that place where we're starting our careers and we were kind of out there in a place where we were uh, putting it on the line because we didn't have a lot of income coming in. And, um, but for me, I, I landed in a position and it allowed me to have some freedom of time, a little bit of flexibility. I could still excel professionally and then also have time for the council. I was also then appointed in the early 90s to the Burbank-Lindale Airport Authority. So I served out there for 20 years, 12 as the president of the authority. And so between that and the, the city, that was part of my, that became more of my regional uh, politics and connecting to other communities and developing a, a profile in other cities as well. And, and then 2012, um, when redistricting happened, and just keep in mind, uh, Pasadena, when I first started, very conservative. Mm. Didn't line up with my politics. So in terms of you didn't see any progressive-minded people getting elected to statewide offices or to Congress. 
But as time went by and you had members like a Jack Scott, uh, former president of PCC, who first broke through, if you will, and was elected uh, out of this region, out of the city, uh, to serve in, this, in the state assembly and then ultimately a senator, um, followed by Carol Liu, Anthony Portantino, and then myself. So there was sort of a foundation of walls being broken down and opportunity lined up in a, in a way where I was able to run for the office and have a pretty good base to run from. So now, now we're how many years into your political career? Uh, let's see, I, I'm over 30 years. Over 30 years. How old are we? That's, that's about there, right? That's right. You said 85, right? right 85. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. I was listening, I promise. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I just don't like to count. I, I, I understand. Know what that adds up to. So you, you've, been in, you've been in this for 30 years. Uh, at, at what point do you say, okay, I want to go for a higher office or keep going? Or do you just say, you know what? I want to rest now and pass, pass on the baton. Like, what, When do you have that discussion with yourself? Well, I think you have to look at it from the standpoint of how do you feel? How well are you doing? Are the voters um, pleased with the work that you're doing? Because they're the ultimate ones that have to promote to the next level if there's going to be a promotion at all. Sure. And so um, I have to look at the fact that I'm in the assembly for another, 12, another six years, a total of 12 years. Uh, when I finish, I'll, I'll be in my early 60s. Um, that's still young. I still feel good. Uh, but really the question is, what would be the opportunities? Mm. And if there's opportunity and the timing makes sense and, you know, voters are um, appreciative of the work that I've been doing up to that point, uh, then I would look at that as an opportunity maybe to explore uh, the next level if there was such an opportunity that uh, was created. So uh, also at this stage in your career, I feel like you are in a position to recognize talent, so to speak, or at least inspire people to continue on this path. How do you how do you recognize that or where do you look for or what do you direct young people towards? And by young people, I mean relatively young in their 30s because we're millennials now. But right. Uh, right. where do you direct them to start getting involved if they want to make this kind of career commitment or, or life commitment? Well, look, I will say that um, probably the best recruiter out there is the, the current president. He seems to be uh, agitating and provoking in such a way that uh, uh, young and old are getting involved and or getting reignited in some form or another. Uh, but just generally speaking, I think that there's there, it is important for me to make sure that I'm plugging in young people to the, the process of governing. You know, I think when you're inside of a, an institution, uh, when you're elected to an office, it's a lot different than if you're on the outside. Outside, you can be more activist. You can be more um, uh, socially charged in a, in a way of, um, you know, uh, taking on an issue with not really too much of a concern about uh, what the... Uh, consequences of action may be, and I say that very guarded, but I'm just saying because you do. But at the same time, you can push, you can, you can, uh, you can uh, agitate in a way where it raises a conscious level. Um, Rosa Parks agitated because, but in a quiet way. Um, so just to, to to frame that. But I think within uh, elected office, you're in a position of governing. So you have to push, but you also have to lead. 
in a way where you're you're showing how to take a system that is there that may or may not be as efficient as it could or should be, and you're trying to make it work as best you can and change where you can. So putting young people on my staff, having them uh, have an opportunity to be in those roles, to uh, to learn how budgets are put together, to learn uh, how to engage with public, to be problem solvers for communities that reach out and say, we need this or that or some type of a supportive uh, engagement uh, for them to be able to play that role. And then we also recognize that, you know, there are elections that are going on and for not just candidates, but also for causes. And we see quite frankly, that a lot of young people are getting engaged and being a part of that. I just came from um, uh, the Bay Area where I was there for the governor's global uh, climate change action um, conference, and it brought people from all over the world, and there were protests. You know, Now, you might ask yourself, you know, how do you protest a governor who's being viewed around the world as a leader in uh, climate change and addressing and, and putting actions into, into play? to fight and address uh, global warming. And yet, you know, they were there, they were saying, Governor, why are you supporting oil industry? Why are you not uh, banning fracking? So, you know, there's a, you, you, you can appreciate the fact that there's engagement, there's a connection to a cause, there's a connection to issue. And I looked out and I saw a lot of young people, you know, they were in that crowd. Uh, and, and so I'm actually very hopeful. I see a lot of young people who are uh, fighting policies on immigration that uh, would take uh, young babies out of the arms of their mothers. These are young people who are at the borders uh, who are raising their voice and, and protest against uh, a policy or action. And those same young people are going to be the ones who are going to be inspired by that to say, now can I go from being an activist in this environment to being uh, a leader and working within the system and providing uh, a certain activist uh, level of governance to governance that is needed? Uh, the young lady from uh, New York who took out an incumbent. Uh, Alexandria. Yeah. yeah, Alexandria. Yeah. I mean, she... Just happened. There you go. There's your model, you know, where... You know, sometimes you really do get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're going to try to make a change. And you could be the David against the Goliath, but if you believe in what you believe in and you can communicate that vision, all kinds of things can happen. The giants will fall. And in that case, uh, and now you're starting to see it kind of around the country. Uh, so I think there is a lot of excitement and hope about the future, about young voices that are going to continue to be engaged, whether it's outside the halls, putting pressure, or inside the halls. And, and so I'm, I'm very enthusiastic. But we try to do our part by hiring young folks uh, uh, and also, um, you know, by uh, working, getting around to the schools and uh, talking to young people and, and letting them know that there's, uh, the future is theirs and they need to start thinking about it now. I think politics is definitely a game of patience. Yes. And it seems that your career is full of that. Um, for our generation, the one that allegedly 
lacks patience. I can attest to on my behalf. I lack patience. Sometimes we need that instant gratification. What kind of advice would you give to them to inspire them to join the political atmosphere and um, take a more active role and engage their community much like you did? A different time, different place nowadays, but you know the political climate as it is. What would be some advice? Well, I think it's, uh, I think one, it's important to stay uh, abreast of current events, um, stay uh, connected, try to find, try to f- feel out where your passions are, you know, what is it that you believe in? I think sometimes you have to just pause for a second and say, okay, like I did when I was working in juvenile hall, it's like, okay, what do I believe in? What do I, what do I want to make a change? What do I want to leave behind? You know, uh, what lives can I change, even if it's one, along the way? And uh, and I think that just pausing and and making that connection uh, and making a determination that, you know what, I care about the environment. You know, I care about the fact that the criminal justice system is is not working, and I'm tired of seeing uh, young people. Uh, incarcerated, who are black and brown, who uh, the bail system is not designed to give them a fair shot. Um, you know that the they're getting thrown in on certain crimes, certain kind of crimes, uh, and then they're serving hard time. If you come from another neighborhood, maybe you get out on probation. Uh, so what's wrong? What's broken with the system? I just don't like what I'm seeing. Uh, that type of thing. The educational system. What is it? Really, how is it educating and, in, and inspiring us, or are we being given those kind of opportunities? And so it just really comes down to uh, what is causing that fire, that flame to, to start to burn and start to burn bright. And there's certainly enough things going on in the world that uh, for everyone to sort of pause for a moment. And that's not to say you don't go out and get your piece of the American dream. I, I'm, I'm certainly a capitalist in that respect. I understand that you got everybody's got to make a living, and everyone wants to to be able to um, to do good things for themselves and their family. But you know, what about the neighbor? Mm-hmm. What about the world? What about the planet? What, what what can I do to make a difference and be missional in my in my life? And that's everyone's opportunity. And I think it's just a matter of. Uh, pausing and reflecting on that and getting plugged in where where the passion is. I think that's a big part of it, getting plugged in where the passion is. And for people that might not have a leg up or any idea of how to get plugged into their community, where is the most basic level they can start? Would it be at the city council level or you think even? Yeah, it can be. Um, but I think it's also, it could be, you know, in a neighborhood. It could be kind of getting engaged in what's going on in your neighborhood. You know what what's going on with the with my neighbor who's a senior and nobody seems to check on her and you know I'm going to try to take a look and see what's going on. Then I find out that her electricity got cut off and so now I'm going to be upset and I'm going to go talk to somebody to another neighbor and you know what can my voice matter? But then you know all of a sudden we form a, a, a activist group in our neighborhood and three, four, or five of us go down and complain to the city council that, you know, why are you turning off the power of senior citizens who are on fixed income? And, 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 you know, from there, it can spawn into a lot of other things. And You'll never again, know, basically, right? 
Well, yeah. it can, again, it is what, what activates you? What, what is it that you witness? Like a lot of people were moved to their core under the president's policy of taking uh, children from immigrant parents at the border. And, you know, the kids' lives are changed forever uh, who were uh, taken from their parents. But that moved a lot of people. That moved their heart emotionally and got them angry. It caused them to say, that's not right. Then what can I do to make things right? Where, where do I put the pressure? And I think that that's what I'm really getting at is that you start to pay. In, in the civil rights era, it was, okay, enough you know, you see African-Americans treated uh, subhuman Jim Crow laws. They were still being imposed. Everybody kind of sort of saying, what do we, how do we make change? One preacher decided that he was going to speak it from a nonviolent perspective, and he was able to change the world. And that one person, but he activated other people as right. well. Right. And, and so I think there's a... Um, the, the time presents itself with opportunities that abound in terms of where we can all get plugged in and make a difference. That's great advice. Thank you for that. That's a great way to wrap. Um, want to ask you, our listeners, what resonated with you today? Reach out, let us know. Assembly member Holden, thank you so much for coming on the show on behalf of Randy and myself. Um, it means a lot to us. If people wanted to get engaged with you, your office on social media, how can they find you? So the best way to, to find me is uh, search Assemblymember Chris Holden and uh, all of the information will pop up and it'll show Facebook. It'll also show all of our other social media connections. Perfect. Turg, what about you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Turg Says No. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm sure you're on LinkedIn too, right? As he looks over <laughs> his shoulder. <laughs> Apparently, we'll, we'll find you. We'll find you. We got to Google Chris uh, Holden. We'll be your first two connections. <laughs> and Randy, where can you the people can find, find you? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure to stop by our website at talk32me.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you really like what you hear, Make sure to leave us an awesome five-star review. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. <laughs>
representation for our generation in local government. Um, what would you say is, let me think how I want to phrase this actually. Because I, I want to ask, like, with an election issue, you don't train your replacement, right? It's not like an apprenticeship. Anymore. No, but he did mention the fact that he did get advice from the uh, incumbent, well, the then incumbent uh, mayor. Right, but that was, council. again, that was different generational where we're, we're not in it, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, how do you, how do you actually find young people and like say, hey, you would be good at this, you should consider this. Okay, that's the question. <laughs> Let me set you up, and this is uh, five minutes left, right? Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. Get it engaged. <laughs> right. How can they find you? <laughs> How can they find us? <laughs>